Haley Wilson was one of the first people I met and tried out and why I fell in love with the house. Her welcoming spirit towards others is something I want to emulate. I'm interviewing her today to discuss with her how she overcame her battle with battle against anorexia. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk about this important topic. To get a better understanding as we start this discussion, please explain what anorexia is and what events led up to your diagnosis. So anorexia is just one of what seems like a million different types of eating disorders. If you actually go to NIDA's website, which is the National Eating Disorder Association, they have, they have at least 11, I think, listed there. A lot of things that like people haven't even heard of. And so whenever people think of an eating disorder, typically they're like, oh, like you just starve yourself or, oh, like you binge eat or, oh, you like you make yourself throw up when really there's like a lot of different layers to each eating disorder. So there's, there's four that I kind of want to focus on just like give a little preface. And um, so the first is anorexia. And I also want to say that it's a little different for everyone. So this is just with my experience and like people I've met and things that I've gone through. So with anorexia, it's more like a, a like starving yourself sort of eating disorder. So and it's not always about the food. It's a lot of times it's about body image. It's about control. It's, it's about all these different things. But ultimately, it's very restrictive eating, um, eating little to nothing every day and just kind of like obsessing over calories is one of the big things. And then there's bulimia. And um, bulimia is like this cycle of binge eating and then purging. So it's also kind of the same thing, like you have feel like you're lost, like you don't have any control over anything. Um, so you go through these cycles of you're gonna eat all this food and all this food, and then you're gonna make up for it, quote unquote, by um, purging, which is making yourself throw up. Or uh, there's other ways to purge, like excessive exercise or just things like that that kind of like account for all the things that you just ate next one is probably what most people know but don't think of it as like an eating disorder i guess which is binge eating and it's it's characterized by like just the same things as all the other eating disorders like they're all mental and so binge eating you're just gonna it's gonna be one of those things where you're just constantly eating or even you could go long periods without food and then in one sitting you could eat like three days worth of food. And then the last one is kind of like a newer one. It was found in 1998, I think. Um, and it's called orthorexia. And this is one that a lot of people don't know about, but is like super present in today's culture. And it's basically like an obsession with like healthy eating, clean eating. So think about all those, those shakes and the skinny teas and like diet kind of stuff. Um, but to the point, like they take it to the extreme. So it's going to be like, they own, they will not eat anything that's processed or they won't eat anything that has certain ingredients in it. But yeah, so my eating sort of for anorexia, my experience was mostly, uh, mostly like a starvation kind of thing where I had very poor body image. I had trauma and all that kind of stuff that eventually triggered my eating disorder. And yeah, so it was kind of like I would eat little to nothing every day. Anything I did eat, I did purge. I, I mean, I don't have any shame in that now. Um, I talk about it just to raise awareness about it and everything. Like, it's nothing to be ashamed of. You should seek out help if you need it. But, yeah, that was kind of my experience with anorexia. But as far as the events that led up to my diagnosis, I did – 
gymnastics ever since I was in like elementary school all the way up until my senior year of high school. And it's like super physically demanding, very focused on your body. And then a lot of the things people don't notice is that in those kinds of sports and those systems that are very like corrupt and don't get me wrong, there's like tons of great people that I met through there and tons of great coaches, but there also is a lot of like emotional and verbal abuse, just kind of that kind of stuff that can trigger an eating disorder or any kind of other mental illness. And um, a lot of people, there's a lot of research going on about if people are genetically predisposed to it. And um, a lot, most researchers and scientists and doctors agree that there is some sort of genetic predisposition. And then there's going to be like an event in your life that triggers it. And so at first, no one really noticed my eating disorder. Um, My tendencies and my behaviors were kind of like, oh, she's just starting to eat healthy. Or like body checking was a big thing for me, which I, so like looking in the mirror and investigating my body and seeing like, well, I need to get rid of this and this and this. And if, if I lose this much weight, then I'll feel so much better about myself and everyone else will like me. Um, So I eventually even went vegan for over a year and I convinced myself that I was like allergic to dairy and sensitive to gluten and lactose intolerant and all this kind of stuff, um, which soon, like whenever I was admitted and everything, we found out wasn't true at all. But yeah, so those kinds of behaviors of um, kind of cutting corners with food and everything, they slowly increased all throughout, probably starting in like fifth grade when I was little, and they slowly progressed until um, college, which is probably whenever I kind of hit my low point. And that's because a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with their body in college. You see all these like girls from all over the place that are the perfect bodies and they work out all the time and they eat salad for every meal and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there's the whole freshman 15 thing, which is inevitable. If you live in the dorms, if you, if you do that kind of stuff, you're going to gain a little bit of weight. It's completely normal. But yeah, so I, I think of myself as a very like objective person. Like I like having facts and I like having numbers attached to things. So for me, it was like my worth and my value was attached to the number that I saw on the scale. And so it was like the lower the scale number, the more I was worth. So if I saw that number go up, it was like, no, I need to fix this and I need to lose weight right now in obviously not the most healthy way. And it turns into like this endless cycle of like, well, I can do better. I can do better. I can do better. So I see the number go down 10 pounds and I'm like, okay, but I can do just a little bit more. I can do five more pounds and I'll be fine. And then you get there and you're like, okay, but I can do just a few more pounds and I'll be fine. And eventually it just keeps going until you've lost complete control. My parents did notice my, my behavior change, like my mannerisms and like my attitude and everything. Um, they did notice I was losing weight, but they didn't, no one really thought anything of it. They were like, oh, Haley's eating healthy. And I got all these compliments, like, you look so good. You've lost so much weight, which kind of just like kept the ball rolling. But yeah, so eventually my, so my parents and everything saw those changes in my behavior. And I, at first I blamed it on the fact that I was severely clinically depressed. I had terrible anxiety. We went to all these different doctors and all these doctors were like, oh, she's just depressed. Oh, she just has anxiety. It's normal with depression to like not eat. It's normal to like decrease your food intake Um, until eventually we found a doctor who 
knew a little bit more about mental illness and finally sent me into inpatient treatment. So yeah, that was kind of my experience. <laughs> yeah, oh, thank you so much for sharing that and all the different explanations for the different kinds of eating disorders. Um, I think you definitely hit, um, but you're so much more than a number. And I do agree, we are living in an age where body image is just something on everyone's mind. Um, especially in college, you know, you're right. There's so many people that like you compare yourself to. Um, yeah, for sure. And so it can kind of like take a toll. And so like, I just hope anyone listening that like they can just look at themselves in the mirror and see things that are positive because I know personally, like I can be like my worst critic and yeah. you know, pick apart the smallest thing and, you know, think, oh, everyone's noticing this when really they're not. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. Okay, what kind of treatment did you go through? Um, so I went through inpatient treatment, um, which is where I started. So the way eating disorder treatment works, at least in a lot of um, like mental health treatments and stuff like that, is you start at an inpatient or residential level um, where you go to the hospital, you basically live there. Uh, well, you do live there. <laughs> you have a bed there, you, you stay there. It's kind of like a little, um, I don't want to say a dorm, but kind of like a dorm. And you have your own little room and your own bathroom, but the bathrooms are locked all the time. You have to have permission to go into the bathrooms. You have to have someone check after you go to the bathroom. You have to have someone monitor you while you're in the shower, all that kind of stuff. It's like a very strict level of treatment. Um, and it's kind of just set up a routine and get you used to that structure. Um, so that you can start recovering and then after you I guess you graduate from inpatient you go to PHP which is partial hospitalization and for that you spend like 12 to 13 hours a day in the hospital you basically all you do at home is sleep so you go through all of your meals during the um, you go through all your meals during the day and then you go home at night and sleep and then wake up the next morning and come back seven days a week even on holidays. And then after you finish PHP, whenever your team decides that you're ready for a lower level of care, you go to IOP, which is intensive outpatient. And um, that's going to be, you start up five days a week. It's only like four to five hours a day, um, depending on the treatment center. And it's kind of just like a group therapy. You have one meal there and then everything else is at home. And during IOP, you find your outpatient team, which is going to be your therapist, your dietitian, um, your psychiatrist, all that kind of stuff to continue your recovery after you leave the treatment center. Because in treatment, they provide you with those therapists and dietitians and psychiatrists and primary care doctors and all that kind of stuff. So whenever you leave, you have to, they kind of, in IOP, they kind of help you find those people. But yeah, so I guess I'll just go through like a kind of typical day in inpatient, which is probably what most people want to know about. It's the number one question I get asked. They're like, oh my gosh, like what did you do every day? So in inpatient, we woke up around 6.30 or 7 every day. We'd wake up. Um, they give you a chance to go to the bathroom and obviously they monitor you. You go to check in with the nurses and they weigh you. They keep track of your weight every single day to kind of get those trends going. And then we eat breakfast at 7.30. The way meal plan worked was at the beginning of the week, they gave you a big 
packet of um, your options for the week for every single meal. There's six meals a day. So there's breakfast, AM snack, lunch, PM snack, and dinner and evening snack. And um, different people had different meal plans. So there's exchanges for this many grains, this many proteins, this many fats, this many fruits and vegetables, this many dairies, all that kind of stuff. And um, you kind of get to personalize your meals as long as it fits within the criteria of your meal plan. Um, so we go to breakfast at 7.30. After we leave meals, we always have different groups. So there was like group therapy. There was um, different like curriculum groups even for different types of like to kind of understand the different kinds of uh, like how mental illness can, I don't know the best word, can kind of show up in um, different people. Um, but yeah, so we go to the, all these different groups and then go to snack, more groups, lunch, more groups, other snack, more groups, dinner, and all the way until the end of the day. Um, and our day was completely full. Um, we got either one or two um, fresh air breaks where we got to go outside unless you were kept on a hold, which typically at the beginning they put you on a hold for like either a like a risk to leave treatment without permission or a risk, a suicide risk or a self-harm risk, all that kind of stuff. They, um, then you wouldn't get to go outside until they cleared you from that. But yeah, so, um, eventually you got about an hour every day of electronics time. So this whole time you don't have your phone. You have your phone an hour a day. You don't sleep with it. You don't do anything with it. You just, they give you your phone at about an hour and it happens to be at the same hour that visitation is. So if you have family coming in, um, that's the same time um, or friends coming in. Um, but yeah, and then we'd go to bed after our snack and they'd administer our meds to us whenever we needed them. And yeah, so that was just like typical inpatient day. And then slowly it kind of got less and less as you go through PHP and IOP and now outpatient. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, I think it's, it sounded like it's really organized and they know what they're doing, um, especially with like where you don't have access to your phone, I think was probably pretty important. Um, it also kind of like limits you from, you know, not looking at social media because I know that can be something that, you know, you start comparing yourself again. But what were your feelings whenever you were in this program through it all? So at first, um, the way I got diagnosed and everything, so my parents kind of noticed my behavior changing, like I said before, and all that, it was kind of like a surprise to me to get admitted. Um, I actually got a phone call from my mom during finals week my sophomore year, and um, she was like, hey, by the way, later today, you're going to get a phone call from this lady from Eating Recovery Center, and she's going to screen you for an eating disorder. And I was like, you're insane. Like, there's no way, like I eat healthy and yeah, I skip meals sometimes, but I don't have a problem. Like I'm the exception to this rule and all this kind of stuff. So my first few weeks in uh, treatment, I was convinced I didn't have a problem. I was like, this is a mistake. I don't know how they put me in here. I'm just eating healthy. I like 110% believe that I was completely fine. And like, yeah, maybe I had some depression and anxiety, but this was just like a phase I was going through. I just wanted to lose some weight and then I was going to quit. 
And then one of the days in treatment with my psychiatrist, we were getting my vitals taken and everything. And that's probably when I realized I did have a problem because my psychiatrist, Dr. Setliff, God bless her. She's amazing. Love her. She said, if you had come in maybe like two, three days later, maybe a week, you probably wouldn't be alive right now, which really opened my eyes and was terrifying. And um, like I said before, I'm super objective. And so like seeing those numbers, like seeing my heart rate and my pulse and my oxygen levels and like the results from my blood tests and all that kind of stuff just really opened my eyes to like, wow, like this was serious. Like I really almost died. Um, So yeah, I just, my feelings kind of changed throughout that course. Um, It was like denial and then it was like fear. And then it was, I was super confident and super driven to like recover. And then you go through these spells of like, oh no, I'm no, no, I don't have a problem, but oh yes, I do. Oh no, I don't. Yes, I do. So yeah, it's kind of just getting used to that, admitting that you have a problem and um, admitting that you have an illness and just like people can have cancer or they can have diabetes or they can be an addict to something, um, whether it be like drugs or alcohol or anything else, their mental illness is the same thing. It's, it's an illness. It's, um, and I think that's one of the big problems today is that people don't treat it like an illness. They treat it um, as kind of like a mindset, I guess you would say. Um, they're like, oh, like you could stop this if you wanted to, which on a certain level is kind of true. You could stop it if you wanted to. Um, but definitely not without intervention and definitely not without having someone help you find those tools to better yourself. Wow. Um, I'm actually like really happy that your family stepped in and like some others that told you straight up, even though probably scared you at first to be like, Hey, you know, this could get worse. And, um, I'm so glad that it didn't get to that point because yeah, that, that's really heavy. (laughs) Um, but another thing you kind of mentioned was that people want to eat healthy and have like a really nutritional diet. And I find that to be really true. And I can see like, it's important from like a health standpoint to be like, eat healthy, have a balanced meal, figure that all out. So then maybe it can be a preventative measure for your future health but at the same time you know you don't want to become obsessed with it where you are like counting the calories and you're on the scale like measuring your weight at all times um because yeah I just I think like it's important to eat healthy but also to enjoy your food like if you want ice cream go and have some ice cream, like treat yourself. You get um, the eat the pizza. Yeah. (laughs) Now. So, and yeah, there is a very fine line between like this person's healthy and they're eating healthy because they care about their health. And this person is, has orthorexia. This person Mm -hmm. has disordered eating. And that line is obsession and routine, obsessive obsession. And um, like a super strict routine. So someone who's just eating healthy, like, like you said, they're going to have that brownie when they feel like it. They're going to understand like, Hey, this isn't the end of the world. I can have one brownie and it's not going to have any effect on me at all. Or I can have pizza for dinner one night or whatever that may be. Whereas in orthorexia and other disordered eating, you're going to have the kind of like you do not stray away from the rules. 
I eat this and this and this and this, and that's it. Especially like one of the really common ones I see nowadays that just like gets on my nerves and makes my blood boil is the whole trend of like, don't eat carbs. So anyone who's ever taken a nutrition class, I've taken a million, even in treatment and outside of treatment, will know that carbs come into your system no matter what they be, whether they're in sugar, whether they're in bread, whether they're in fruit, no matter what, you're, you eat them and then your body just knows their carbs. Your body breaks them down um, into glucose, sends that glucose to your brain, and that's how your brain is powered. So whether it's a lollipop that has a ton of sugar in it or a piece of candy, or if it's, I don't know, a piece of bread on a sandwich, your body doesn't know the difference. Um, so that's one of the big things is like, there are no good foods and bad foods. Um, some foods have more nutritional value than others, like vitamins and nutrients and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, overall it's just food is food. It nourishes your body, keeps your, keeps you functioning. And so, yeah, there's just, that's just one of the big things I see nowadays is that people are like, I'm, I'm not going to eat this because carbs will make me fat or, I'm not going to eat things that have fat in them because fat will make me fat <laughs> when really like all those, th all those things are used for energy in your body and fuel your mind and your body and your like just everything you do. So. Right. I remember learning that in nutrition as well. Um, the people who just like don't eat any carbs, I think that's called like a keto diet. Um, but yeah, I don't think they realize how important it is to have carbs in your diet because you're so right. Like it gives your brain energy. So yeah. you definitely want to uh, make sure you include that. Um, so it's like not a bad thing. And yeah. I definitely think like anyone listening, if they feel like they have a problem, like sometimes it does take intervention to get you to a place and it might take time, you know, um, to break that routine that you were once in. But um, I think it's definitely important. Um, so how is your recovery coming along now? So my recovery, um, that's a, a really loaded question because like it goes either, it's a whole roller coaster. So I can be having super great days and I'm all for like, yes, recovery. Yes, I'm going to be an advocate for like awareness around the subject and I'm going to help people whenever I see it. And then there's other days that I'm like, I still look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, Oh, like, this is what I look like. And I don't like it. Um, and the difference is just like kind of learning to cope with those thoughts and use different coping mechanisms and um, like replacement behaviors to not stay focused on like those bad thoughts about your body or those urges to restrict or those urges to purge. Even like there's a lot, um, actually there's more research coming along, but um, some researchers and doctors say that recovery from an eating disorder or any mental illness like addiction could take even over 20 years. Um, and some people say, if not, then it's a lifelong commitment. And I still like to compare it to those like drugs and alcohol and that kind of stuff where every day you have that temptation there to take the drugs or to drink the alcohol or to engage in behaviors. And it's about having the tools to not engage in those behaviors. And yeah, so today, I guess 
those thoughts are definitely still there. I still look at myself and I think, oh, I'm fat. I have a lot of body dysmorphia. I still see my food and I get anxious to eat it. Some days are better than others. Some days I don't even think about it anymore. But I still, a lot of the times, I'll look at my plate and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, this is, this is food. This is going into my body. It's going to make me fat. And I just kind of have to use those tools that I learned through treatment and through therapy and all that kind of stuff to, like, fight those thoughts and tell myself, like, these are thoughts that my eating disorder has. And I'm not going to let those define how I see myself. Yeah, I'm now so I, I still see a therapist. And I just recently stopped seeing my dietitian. Um, I still have her phone number and everything. I got her on call just in case. Still see my psychiatrist. I 100% recommend therapy to everyone, even if you're not going through an eating disorder, even if you don't have depression, anxiety, still recommend it. It's 100% the best decision I've ever made in my life to start seeing a therapist. And I love my therapist. I have her phone number. Um, something goes wrong, I can text her, I can call her. She's just, she's awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry you have to struggle with that um, for so many years here. Um, but you mentioned, you know, to go and seek help. Like, there is this stigma around, like, mental health to not go seek help because it might be seen or might look like um, a weakness when really, like, it is a strength to go and take care of yourself. and. Um, you never know how that therapist can like completely change your course of life for the better. Yeah. Um, and I do want to know like what your coping uh, mechanisms are, like what things bring you the most joy in life and help you to stay healthy. So probably the number one thing that has kept me recovered and like a physical thing that has kept me recovered is my dog. His name's Rhett. He's a mini golden doodle. He's the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. I might be biased, but I'm not. He's the cutest thing. And he is actually, he's a registered emotional support animal. He, um, I have a note from my therapist, from my psychiatrist, all that kind of stuff. He's fully registered and he's awesome. So like whenever I get those thoughts of like, oh, I feel really full. I want to purge or, oh, like I don't feel good today. Um, I'm not going to eat. He, I, he's one of those, I look at him and I'm like, this is why I fight my eating disorder. I fight my eating disorder because I have, I have someone, well, a dog, but someone, he's a person in my eyes. I have someone to take care of. Um, and I have someone who loves me unconditionally and which is, I mean, even my parents and my sister, all of those, I'm like, I have these people fighting for me and I have these people in my corner who not only if I relapsed or was struggling, not only would I suffer, but all these other people would suffer. And um, just thinking about that, it is super encouraging and to continue to seek out recovery. But yeah, that's kind of what motivates me. Um, you gotta have some intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Intrinsic is gonna be kind of like for you, for selfish reasons, I guess. Um, so for me, it's like, I want to stay healthy so that I can keep going to school. Because my eating disorder did um, take me out of school for a year. Um, so like, I want to stay healthy so I can stay in school. And I want to stay healthy so that I can enjoy nights out with my friends. Whereas extrinsic is going to be those things that like, I don't want to disappoint my family. And 
Um, I want to be able to take care of my dog and I want to be able to live in my own apartment, those kinds of things. Yeah, I love how you mentioned that it's intrinsic and extrinsic because it does seem to like affect multiple parts of your life and just noticing that and acknowledging it will like help you to take that first step to change your actions um, for the better. Um, who inspires you and why? So there's so many people. So I met so many people in treatment that they inspired me to be better. And they're even in treatment with me. They had a problem as well. Um, um, obviously my friends, my family, they inspire me to stay well, just like I said before, for that intrinsic and extrinsic motivation um, to be able to spend time with them and be close to them and everything. One of the things that really inspires me and I think is really helpful um, in today's day and age where um, we're very like social media focused. Um, there's tons of social media accounts now that post inspirational stuff. Um, there's some that are just like mental health oriented, some that are specifically eating disorder oriented. I did want to mention like my favorite account to follow ever. I don't know how to say her name, but her name's, I think her name's Michaela. So it's Mick and her last name is Zazen or Zazon. I don't know how to pronounce it, but she has an Instagram. She has a TikTok. That's my, my guilty pleasure watching TikToks and stuff. <laughs> yes, 22 years old watching a bunch of TikToks. Um, but she makes all these like body positive videos and posts and everything. Her big thing is like normalizing normal bodies. So like one of the things that I struggle with is so, like you sit down, your stomach's going to roll. It's just, it's going to happen. You can be paper thin and it's going to, you're going to, your skin is going to roll. And like one of the things she exaggerates is like you have organs inside of you and you have this body that does amazing things and nourishes your body when you give it food and um, allows you to engage in joyful movement and walk around and do all these different things. And that's what that is. There's stuff in your body. It can be fat. That fat is there to protect you and fuel your body and all those kinds of things. So she's one of my favorites to follow. Um, there's a bunch of different ones. You can follow a bunch of dietitians on um, that are like recovery focused dietitians. But yeah, like Demi Lovato, amazing person. She struggled with an eating disorder. She struggled with mental illness. She is just, she's an amazing role model for that kind of stuff. But other than that kind of stuff, obviously, like my treatment team, my family and my friends definitely inspired me the most. Yeah, that's incredible because I definitely think people go into social media and put their best face forward and kind of hide the negative parts of their life. But to have people who go on there and just share encouragement and say that they've gone through something, too, is like really, really neat um, and turn something that might be negative, like social media sometimes has a negative light shine yeah. on it and it can be turned into a positive thing, depending on like who you follow and all of that. So that's really cool. Well, that was one of the best decisions I made in my recovery was going through my followers list uh, or my following list and seeing these are the people I compare myself to in an unhealthy way. These are the accounts I follow that aren't so helpful, like these calorie counting accounts, these, um, skinny inspiration accounts, like all that kind of stuff. 
and unfollow those, block those, get them out of your life forever. There's no place in your life for them. I don't see a need to follow them. So yeah, that's just probably one of the most helpful things that I've done personally. Yeah, that's so true. And I think also like limiting your time if you do choose to engage in social media, because I don't know if you've ever looked at like your settings on your phone for Oh um, how much time you spend in each app I was surprised at how long I might spend on something simple like Instagram or Facebook I was like I need to change this I can do so much more with my time besides yes. looking at this sure <laughs> um okay so what is your favorite quote bible verse or advice that you would like to share so I thought really long and hard about this one because there's so many and it's hard to pick like just one quote, but my favorite thing, and I picked this one because I don't think a lot of people have heard it. I, I came across it on Pinterest and I have no clue who wrote it. Um, it's my, it's been my phone back room since before I was diagnosed. Um, just cause I liked having this, um, affirmation for me so I'm actually just about to read it off my phone <laughs> but I found it on Pinterest the person who's wrote it all it says is SA the initials SA I would give credit where credit is due it's an amazing <laughs> quote um, so it says I wonder why we are able to marvel at the sunset streaked across winter desolates captivated by breathtaking beauty in awe of a creator that encompasses the definite the definite the definitive moment of glorious and yet we look at ourselves in such disappointment held captive by the ideal that we are not enough that we will never be enough and that we are so far from being marvelous as if he didn't create both um but oh i have chills now <laughs> it's so good and so that first little part is just talking about how like you know you go outside you see like the most beautiful sunset and you're like this is so cool like um i don't know other people's faith um but you think like god made that sunset or whatever higher power you believe in they made that sunset they made all these beautiful things in the world and we're just in awe of them um but we also then we look at ourselves and we're like i'm ugly i'm fat this is wrong with me all these different things you look at your faults but like it's nice to take a step back and be like the same person or creator or being entity, whatever you want to call it, who made those beautiful landscapes and sunsets and all those kinds of things, they made you too. And so it's just really cool to think of. And it's really good motivation for me to be like, yeah, like I am, I'm worth just as much as those things. Like God made those sunsets and he thought like, you know, what would be just as cool as like one of you, like a summer and a Haley and all these different people and it's just like it's so comforting to think about so that's easily my favorite and I wanted to share it because I don't think many people have heard it um, I just found it on Pinterest one day in high school and been in love with it ever since okay I love that that is so beautiful um everything that was said in that quote um and like you said whenever you walk outside I agree it's it's so pretty to see a beautiful sunset and know, you know, God created that. And like, he created us too. We're um, beautifully and wonderfully made in his image. Um, and something I kind of want to include is like a Bible verse from first Peter. 
It says, what, matter, what matters is not your outer appearance, the styling of your hair, the jewelry you wear, the cut of your clothes, but your inner disposition. Cultivate inner beauty, the gentle, gracious kind that God delights in. And so I think, like, living in this world, like, um, beauty is just kind of um, defined as outward beauty, but I think it's really cool that God says, no, like, your inner beauty is so much more powerful. Yeah. And uh, he said that, like, you have that on your, like, background of your phone, that quote. Yeah. Um, I have, like, see good in all things. So, like, it's kind of, like, you know, puts me in the right mood, shows yeah. positivity so I can start out my day right if I check my phone. Yeah, and if I'm if I'm having if I'm having a hard time, or even if I don't recognize that I'm having a hard time, like I open my phone and I see that you can't even see it, but um, <laughs> no. and I see that way, and I can go through it, and I even have um, at the end of it as if he didn't create both is in bold, because um, that's just like a great reminder of like, wow, like the same God that saw like we needed all these what you think are like beautiful models and people and these beautiful landscapes, all this, like he saw all that and he thought the world needed one of me, um, which yeah. just, uh, it just, it gives me chills every time I hear it. And yeah. Yeah. And like each one of us are unique. Like you said, um, we all have something to offer this world. So I think that's really cool. Um, okay. So what are your plans for the future? As far as eating disorders go, um, I just, I want to continue doing stuff like this. Like I want to talk about it. I even probably make too many jokes about it, but I kind of just want to like normalize that situation. I want people to know, like, you may not just be a picky eater or you may not just be focused on quote unquote clean eating. Um, like there could be a problem there. Um, and it's better to be on the safe side. So talk to a doctor, all that kind of stuff. But as far as outside of eating disorders, I'm back in school. My eating disorder did make me need to transfer schools to be closer to home in my treatment team. So I go to the University of North Texas now. I will graduate in May of 2021 in communication sciences and disorders. And then my plan is to go on to graduate school to get my master's and become a speech language pathologist. Wow, that's awesome. And okay, this is something I do want to ask as well is how can someone who is fighting an eating disorder seek help? So there are so many different ways nowadays to like find help. One of the best like starting points I found is on NIDA's website, which is nationaleatingdisorders.org. They have like a screening test. Um, they'll go through all these different questions and you'll see which ones apply to you and they'll tell you if you're at risk or if you um, may have an eating disorder or if you should go see a therapist or they just kind of give you that information that you can do with it what you want. Um, they also have a helpline that is, um, it's open Mondays through Fridays. Um, Monday through Thursday, I believe it's 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And Fridays it's 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's a, confidential you don't have to give your name they don't save your number it's toll free you don't have to pay for it um the number i'll just give you the number just in case anyone ever finds themselves needing it it's 1-800-931-2237 
so yeah, I've gotten on it before, just like if I've been struggling and I don't have my therapist like right away or that kind of stuff. So it's really helpful. Um, and Nita also has a similar that helpline and they also have a chat room. So, um, and I've also used that. You can go in there and you can talk to a live representative and they can answer any questions you have. Obviously, if it's an emergency, dial 911. Don't go on Nita's website and start talking to a volunteer who's there to talk to you. Um, but yeah, those things are really helpful. Like I said before, um, following just those small things like following those more body positive, like social media accounts and all that kind of stuff. If you need a treatment center, there's a million of them. Um, you kind of have to search for them, but there's plenty. I went to Eating Recovery Center in Dallas which I highly recommend. It was, it was life changing for me. Um, there's other ones like center for discovery. Um, I think the children's hospital has a eating disorder program for adolescents you can always go find a therapist At first. They don't even need to be an eating disorder therapist. Um, but there are eating disorder therapists and dietitians that are certified eating disorder specialists that if you come across that, yes, you do have an eating disorder and yes, you are struggling, um, find one of those. You can also like do Google searches for support groups that meet kind of like think of it like AA, but for eating disorders, like you can go to these support groups and talk about what's going on and how you're struggling. And if you know anyone who's struggled with an eating disorder or is recovered slash recovering, most of the people I know are like more than happy to talk to anyone. So I've had friends come up to me and they're like, hey, this is what I'm thinking right now. This is, I'm not wanting to eat. I'm seeing myself like this. And like, now that I have the tools to help myself in those situations, I like talking to other people. Um, and in the case that it does get super emergent, a lot of people who have eating disorders are at risk for self-harm and suicide. There's obviously the suicide hotline that most people know about. It is 24 hours. So more emergent situations, that's a really good resource. But yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, that is all... Like, that's a lot. <laughs> no, that's all valuable information. Um, and you mentioned, like, the suicide hotline. I think recently they just changed it to three numbers. I don't know the three numbers on top of my head right now, but... Yeah, I, know I, three, I know the 1-800 number, um, which is 1-800-237-8255. That's the 1-800 number. But um, I, I did hear something about how they changed it to a shorter number, too, in case, um, in case you don't want to memorize the whole 1-800 number. Yeah, yeah. I think that that was pretty important that they changed it. Um, yeah, for sure. In case anyone was in an emergency, they can just remember those three numbers. Um, I think there was a day, like, while being in a sorority, we kind of talked about national eating disorders or not, you know. Yeah. An national eating disorder day or week or something so we talked about it and then they gave us a sheet of paper with like the list of questions that you're kind of talking about on their site um so then we could like take it home with us and you know evaluate like okay do we have an eating problem or do we notice it in any of our friends and then like yeah. it kind of like said what your next steps would be um i think that's like super important because kind of like in the beginning of this conversation you talked about how it's pretty prevalent in sports like gymnastics um, where you don't really have a ball that you're playing with like it's very heavily about your body that's yeah. kind of true with dance or cheer or 
all different kinds of things. So I think those kind of groups could definitely find value in printing out those sheets of paper with all those questions and handing it out to their team. Yeah. For sure. if, yeah. You know, Nita is an amazing resource for all that. Their website has just about everything you could need from those screening tests to like articles about um, different eating disorders and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have any other final thoughts that you would like to mention? Just kind of want to reiterate and like emphasize that like if you even think you might have a problem or that a friend might have a problem, there's absolutely no shame in seeking help. And I know that was a big thing for me was like, oh, I don't want to be that girl that's, that's mentally ill. I don't want to be that girl that has an eating disorder and like has to go off to the mental institution and gain a bunch of weight. But it's just, it's super important. Talk to someone, just let someone know. It doesn't have to be anyone important. Um, let someone know that you're struggling. Um, it may be hard, but it's super freeing. But yeah, I'm going through my notes, seeing if I have any more things that I didn't hit on. But I think I hit just about everything. Yeah, yeah I think number one advice would just be use Nita's website as a, as much as you can if you think you might have, might even have a problem or that your friend might have a problem, your family, whoever. Definitely go follow those social media accounts if you find yourself comparing yourself to people on social media. They're amazing. And even most treatment centers, you can call them and they'll give you a free screening as well. Yeah, I think everything that you mentioned was incredible. And like, I think you never know who might listen to this and really like change the life for the better. Um, because you gave just so many resources um, that they can reach out to. So thank you so much for joining me, Haley. I, I, I enjoyed this conversation. Um, I learned a lot too in this, you know. Um, it was great catching up with you too. Yeah, it was awesome talking to you. You texted me, I got so excited. I was like, <laughs>